Whether it's our hearts, lungs, or other organs, the word diagnosis tends to make us uneasy. At Kaiser Permanente, our specialists care for you and about you, working together, creating a treatment plan specific to your diagnosis and total health. So from primary to specialty care, find reassurance in a great team of healthcare professionals committed to your healthy recovery. Visit kp.org slash specialty care to learn more. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Main Atlantic States Incorporated, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. hitting the home stretch of liquid lunch today we did a little co-host swap we brought dave boyle in just because uh he's he's got an interest in this topic and uh and uh so uh, we're gonna get his triangulation on this uh we got uh, justin gerard joining us founder of pax cultura studios correct and we're gonna be talking about uh well what pax does which is a solve software and machine learning problems yeah right 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 so, um, first of all, let's just uh, tell us your story. How did you come to get involved in this uh, in this field? Yeah, it's uh, I worked in the in this sort of web startup space for some years. Uh, I worked in a market research company, which is very boring. So, you know, gathering um, results from surveys. I worked in a large enterprise organization where we, uh, you know, got people to answer surveys and and, and shared those results with with clients. Um, that industry itself is quite boring. I didn't know it at the time, but that industry was actually grooming me or preparing me for what I do today, which is essentially understanding patterns in data and helping to build those patterns into applications. Uh, so, you know, after some time, I, I, I went and, and completed my master's. I was lucky enough to, to work with some very talented people at the University of Toronto. I worked uh, in, a, in the aerospace faculty there and, and, and really dug into um, the, the concept of, of social cohesion for robots. So the idea is, you know, in the future when we do have many automated agents working together or many processes, so you might imagine your Facebook talks to your Instagram, talks to your Snapchat. In the future when you have Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats and these, these services working together to, to sort of operate society, what does the future look like? How do we maximize social welfare? These are the questions of my research thesis. Uh, when I graduated, I ended up, uh, you know, I ended up becoming a web jockey again for some time. Um, but what I did differently was that I actually integrated intelligence into platforms. So when you visit sites like uh, the Walrus Magazine, or when you visit, you know, Uber, or you use Uber, these platforms understand users in such a significant way that they almost develop a relationship with the visitors, and that's the kind of work that we do at Pax. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so this is AI related. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And when you say um, the kind of work that you do, like what kinds of platforms are you are you working with blockchain or yeah, what yeah. are you what are you working in? So uh, right now we focus mostly. We've done some work with neural networks. Our major focus right now is on something called reinforcement learning. So reinforcement learning um, to the to the untrained eye uh, is essentially the same process that a baby. Uh, goes through when they're when they're learning about their environment. So it's the idea you, you pick something up, it's hot or it's cold, or you like it or you don't like it, and then from that interaction you learn to behave differently. Um, it turns out that, that that simple mechanic of 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 you know subjecting a robot or a process or an application to controlled failures actually mm -hmm. breeds a, a lot of intelligence. So mm -hmm. if the example is uh, you know uh, you may have heard of the AlphaGo experiment, which was completed by Google DeepMind. What this is is Go is one of the most strategic oh, right. 
sort of board game similar to chess. Mm -hmm. but it's very hard for algorithms to to beat uh, to beat humans. Um, but uh, a reinforcement learning agent, an agent that learned to play with itself, with other automated agents, was able to beat grandmasters at AlphaGo mm -hmm. recently, and that's that's a quite a significant victory. milestone in a sense for AI. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of intelligence is useful. So if, you know, lots of people all along the sort of the web services field like systems like that. So if you think of marketers, I would love a system like people do love systems that that automatically tailor and customize campaigns without a person intervening. Like, can you just find me the demographic that likes this information? Can you just yeah. find me, either find me the audience or, or change the content to match certain audiences? Mm -hmm. These are things that are very powerful. <clears throat> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about you know, some of the topics you covered in your thesis. I mean, we've sure. seen some uh, remarkable developments uh, recently, like uh, Sophia, the robot getting citizenship sure, in sure, Saudi sure. Arabia and yeah, yeah, launching yeah, yeah. her own blockchain the next okay. day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Well, there's a lot of money grabs. Uh, I'm not going to say that's what Sophia is, but it's not the, it also isn't. But and Now Will Smith's trying to get a date with her? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Is that, is yeah, that yeah. perfect? Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, rising stars, yeah. <laughs> um, and then there was that story, I think, from last week, where, where uh, who, was it uh, Siri or uh, one of those other, uh, they uh, recorded a family's uh, telephone conversation and emailed it to their uh, rivals or something? Perfect. Yeah, so the privacy concerns are significant. So, I mean, if you, if you hang out with a friend and you have a conversation with them, you, there's this sort of social trust that goes on. You, you, you hope that they forget most of what you tell them unless you are reminded when you hang out again together. Mm -hmm. So you, there's, a, there's a sort of social understanding that the relationship that we develop is ours and that you, you might characterize that to other people. You might say, oh, you know, Justin's very loud and boisterous or, you know, my buddy Frank is, uh, or Jessica's this way. But you don't expect that the, the level of reporting or study that artificial intelligence, these, de these techniques really study individuals who develop intense cognitive maps of individuals to the point where in some senses we understand people better than they might understand themselves which is you know has its own implications yeah, yeah. i mean where, where i mean you wrote your thesis on that in yeah. a sense right what was what was the essence of your thesis so my thesis uh what what i and this is this is has i have a deeper fascination so people that know me would know that uh um, i'm a very socially progressive person uh, for a long time i don't like i identify as like a very left-leaning guy you know, uh, for better or for worse, uh, in some in some circles. Um, but in that, um, you, you you fall into a great a great conflict, and the great conflict is like, okay, when you're trying to maximize for social welfare, mm -hmm. um, you end up harming individuals, and then you become like this weird, you know, at what point does the individual have to change to suit the group, and at what point does the group have to change to suit the individual? Isn't that what politics has always always been about? Sure, and I, and I was I was never a political guy, yeah. um, but when I went into my thesis, that was my that was my very naive research question. So right. I took these principles from social theory and thought, like, well, how does this relate to robots? Robots, and specifically, what we studied was, can we construct a simulation where we can allow individual robots to learn the variety of tasks in a room, and learn which task it has a, an affinity for. And, and in our case, we considered affinity to be capabilities. So we said, if you're really good at something, you probably like it. Mm -hmm. So let's let's give robots tasks that they're good at. Mm -hmm. And then the group problem is, well, like one one example uh, experiment we did was moving boxes around in, in a factory. It's like, mm -hmm. well, if we tell the robots which boxes they're assigned to, 
can we get the can we make the factory run more efficiently? Mm -hmm. um, and so you know we start from this naive position where the robots don't know what they're good at. The the, the organizers, so the, the peer robots, there's no organizers. It's it's self-organizing. Um, the peer robots, you you don't know what every other robot's good at. Mm -hmm. And the idea is, can you construct a simulation where the robots automatically learn what skills they're best at, how to contribute to the group, and 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 how to how to optimally arrange the, the factory? And the, the answer is yes. It's, it, it requires certain conditions, but it's, it is possible to allow people to pursue their dreams and also have an organized society. So, okay, well, people pursuing their dreams is a little bit different than robots doing what they're best at. Exactly. So this is the weakness of the thesis, which is the, the assumption that what you're good at is also what you like, which I think for most people you realize maybe what I'm really good at isn't always what I like. Okay. So that would be the that, that would be the number one critique. But robots, one do make. robots have that kind of? Robots like making numbers bigger if you tell them to, like today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's their primary interest. Yeah. Well, plus, I mean, you know, I'm I'm just thinking that uh, robots, based on their physical design, sure, sure, too, will be. You'd think that a bunch of robots who are identical physically in terms of their physical capabilities would all be. Largely capable. E largely that. equally good at. This is actually I read about. Uh, I think a professor at Waterloo he put together two identical robots and they were very primitive, yeah. and it was a simple thing, you know, go and charge your photocells and dock at the docking station, yeah. uh, and they were identical. But you know, one transistor is slightly different yeah. from another. One resistor has a different value than another, and then yeah. the two of these guys develop personalities. One liked the sun during the day. Hundred percent. Yeah. And. Uh, he, he was able to come in and just see by their, their activities which one was which. He had to give them each a separate name. Well, I guess that makes sense. I mean, even if you got two identical Hot Wheel cars, one will be faster than the other. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So there's, there's the physical variability, and what we find in, or what, what I've observed at least in, in uh, the training of complex agents. So you look at something like a neural network, the training procedure is very intense. You show it, you know, you're trying to download essentially a lifetime of, of traffic watching into a robot. On a on like a on a supercomputer over a weekend, and you're saying, okay, what do you remember, robot? And you 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 change little tiny parameters. Uh, each time you change the train these robots, they have a tendency to to learn different things about the data. And so this is this is what this is one of those things. You, you take two twins, sometimes they're remarkably similar, mm -hmm. and sometimes just due to life experiences, they're remarkably different. Mm -hmm. And then that reflects in capabilities and interests and all sorts of other things. Okay, so let's talk. Let's go real high level for a sure, sec sure, sure. here. Uh, so, when people talk, because I think what we're seeing here with automation yeah. and with AI now, yeah. the automation is, is tending to replace all, the whole blue collar uh, sector, and now the, uh, the AI is going to replace the white collar sector. It's, it's uh, yeah, when I, I think about this a lot, so Jeremy Rifkin wrote uh, a book and popularized over the last, I think, at least decade, uh, this idea of the third, third industrial revolution talks about this idea that decentralization of energy, of intelligence, and of, of infrastructure is going to be one of the most transformative influences on, on the planet. And I think I bought into that. Like, I, I, only, I only encountered the work of Jeremy Rifkin about three or four months ago. He did a really great vice, vice uh, uh, he call, it's called the third industrial revolution. Like, I think a lot of millennials are watching this. It's really a really great um, um, work. Uh, but. He managed to articulate something that I have felt for a very long time, especially 
studying my, my master's, which is this idea that we can't stand in the way of the, the democratization of intelligence. Like, we are not going to be the only intelligent things. Furthermore, it's, 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 it's very useful to have intelligent things that aren't people, because people have so much baggage. Um, but how we manage that as a society um, is, 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 is largely up to us. So you really, we're really dividing each other into two sort of different extremes, and I, I think about this a lot. On one side, you have intelligent agents that tell you when to deliver food to people, and you have to drive an Uber, you have to do certain transactional operations that a robot cannot yet do. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's the cannot yet do. Right. So you're beholden to some automated agent. And this is what people hate about bureaucracy, and this is, this is the dystopian view of technology. Mm-hmm. But if you think of like the, the other side, if you're, if you're fascinated by these forces and you think they're very powerful, then you think about this, this utopian society where you but wish something is true, and then mm-hmm. some automated, the, you know, I wish I had a meal. And then the, the skip the there. dishes guy comes to the, the Or door. AI will get so sophisticated that the meal will show up even before you oh. can think of it, right? So they have a really good guy in the MIT lab right now. I forget his name. Uh, I, should, I should remember <laughs> names better. But he has created a device. You wear, part of it is a brain scanner, and part of it, sit, another sensor sits in your jaw. And what this thing does is you just think words in your head, and you can print them out on oh. your phone. You don't have to say anything. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Yeah. So this, this kind of world of, is coming. Okay, so we're yeah. talking about... The social good and yeah. what's good for individual yeah. humans, right? Yeah. Um, so there's the whole. I was just having this conversation yesterday, and that is the uh, the idea of the uh, the leisure dividend, right? So if all our physical labor and even uh, middle management right. uh, stuff gets taken yes. care of oh, by yeah. by automation by AI, giving us all this free time, I mean, is that free time even going to be good for us? Yeah, I, these are we have immense social problems. I I don't know. Like I don't. I definitely don't know the answers. But uh, but you're I, working in the field. You I'm have working. a responsibility. <laughs> I know. It's my primary interest is like all the projects I, I work on have massive automation potential. Um, that's that's the common thread. And you could, on one sense, you could say that's going to do an immense. That's going to have an immense disruptive effect on society. It's mm-hmm. it's true. Um, and to own that and to find solutions, like I guess. I think as a society, we have to think positively and we have to think forward. Uh, we have to have a forward-thinking attitude about this subject. Because it's um, not going to go away. It's not going to go away. So things like I, re- I personally believe in you know, basic or general income. I believe in this um, because I just, I just see a reality where unless the educational system keeps, keeps pace, um, things are going to get very different. We don't have that industrial model anymore. We don't have a model where you can go learn certain certain skills and then there will be a company for, that you can work for that mm-hmm. will utilize those skills. You will fit in this real role, mm-hmm. right? And I think people, like in my like when I grew up, that model, like people scoffed at it, like, oh no, go be an artist or go, go do some amazing work. Don't just go sit in a job. But now with that opportunity being taken away, with those traditional roots being taken away, there's a lot of sadness. It's like, well, well it's like, it's like, where does, where, how, how do you Where's get an income? Where do you get the income even, right? It's, if it's everybody's getting replaced. I mean, but on the one hand, what, what we're talking about, yeah. and I think the, this is part of the big opportunity, we're moving from a, a, an economy that's fu- based fundamentally on scarcity yeah. to we're moving from scarcity to abundance. This is the real thread here. This is what we should be acknowledging. Well, I mean, a, a threat, I mean, who doesn't want abundance? That's yeah. what everybody's been seeking yeah. all along. The economic models we have are based on competition for scarcity. So they don't really talk about how to deal with abundant value, like with, with the idea that 
here's the other story. Like the one percent of, of of the population of the world has so much value, mm -hmm. but no one's talking about the fact that society seems to function perfectly well, even though the one percent has almost all the value. That's amazing. Like that's an amazing feat of efficiency that there's so much value locked up mm -hmm. in 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 like just the way people operate and the tools and services and the technologies that we use that we can allow that much extra value to be siphoned. Now we should redistribute. But like, also, let's acknowledge that that insane surplus. Okay. Yeah. Let's acknowledge that for a minute. But I mean, when I when I look at that and I try to come up with a solution, it's like our money Pitch system. <laughs> huh? No, it's just that it's our money system has certain rules. Money yeah. is a man-made construct yeah. that has a certain rule set. Yeah. And if we change the rule set, then I think we can have a more equitable system. But the yeah. people that are benefiting from the current system. Are, are now it's all about the power that they're amassing, essentially. Exactly. Right? It's not about wealth, it's about power now. Well, I can imagine the opposite of the Turing test. You know, yeah. how you have a computer in a room and it's going to masquerade, it's going to be so good at answering questions, you know, in real natural language. Well, uh, let's say in not too far distant future, a, uh, a remote agent shows up and yeah. uh, supposedly it's an artificial intelligence but really it's someone who's out of work or who's bored who's <laughs> pretending to be the machine yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a philip k dick novel humans will pretend to be uh, ai agents sounds like a fable in the making yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well I've, I've actually played that role before so this, this is a little i was going to ask you earlier if <laughs> no you no were this, a robot. this is a true story <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is a true story. So the coolest thing uh, that I got when I was living in the country was uh, was uh, dial-up access to StarCraft. StarCraft had just come out, really big game. Blizzard, Blizzard Entertainment was killing it, and I wanted to log on and play online. And uh, the dial-up modem I had uh, would only dial out if if it could sense a dial tone. Um, but we had some messages on the answering machine, so it changed the oh. dial tone. So then I couldn't dial into my game. So to pick up the phone and pretend to be a dial tone, oh. so that it would dial out. So there, I had my conversation with the machine, right. and was one of the pioneers. I, I then acted like a, a robot for one moment. Did you uh, successfully? Uh, I did. I bought to play StarCraft that day. Wow. Yeah. Well, you have to do much better than that if you're going to analyze medical data. It's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so where were we now? Um, I think we're a concentration of wealth. Right, yeah. So, and, and this is one of the things that gives me some hope around the blockchain thing is that because oh, yeah. blockchain um, as money, uh, every every token has its own rule set. Yep. Right? And uh, now the, uh, the uh, game is open for anyone to design any kind of currency with any kind of rule set they want. I think I think current uh, I think the democratization of currency is fascinating. I, I can't wait for it to be viable because I think that money has this like massive coercive effect today. Like if somebody has money, they pretty much can get yeah they whatever get, they want. Yeah, and 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 they end up accumulating all the uh, productive capacity I of think, the economy. So I, I think the game is you know I've been involved in startups now uh, for the better part of a decade, and I think that people underestimate the power of of like the value that they contribute to each other's lives or to other people's lives, the businesses they can found, and and the value of attention or cool. Mm -hmm. Like this, mm -hmm. people with money, what do they what do they do with the money? They invest in cool things. They invest in things that have value mm -hmm. to generate more money. Mm -hmm. And so essentially, what they're doing is, uh, what I've noticed with with some of the elites I've met is that 
they play this game. They're like, how much, mo how much money or how much capital? Let's just take away money. How much capital do I have in my cool account? Like, how many people am I supporting that are cool or that will generate money? And then they play this game where they swap money back and forth. So, you know, just as much as cool, like younger or, or more ingenuitive people or people that, that you know, uh, maybe don't have as much money, as, as these people are usually predominantly artists or people that have passion. Um, money chases that as much as passion chases money. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, both sides chase each other. And I think that that's something that will, that dynamic won't go away. So if you have another currency is invented, it will, will still have that cyclical effect. Well, we also see now, we th see things like air miles. We see uh, things like airdrops of, uh, of new tokens. Like uh, people are just being paid in currency. Yeah. Now, right? And, yeah. The, and the people that are paying that currency out, these new currencies, they are responsible for making sure that those currencies have ultimate value. Yeah, so Bitcoin doesn't have as much value by itself as it does just because it's the liquid interchange between all the other currencies and the, the dollar. Well, that's what gives the US dollar its value in today's world too, right? Yeah. The fact that you know you need some standard to measure everything else. Uh, exactly. Um, but, um, but what I was getting at with this thing is that now uh, like uh, productive ventures of any kind can create an ecosystem where they reward consumers of whatever that product or service yeah. is and actually brings them uh, directly within the organization so that, because, because there is a disconnect now between uh, like for example a board of directors might vote to cheapen the ingredients that go into their key product, of course, yeah. to, because their interests are different than the interests of the consumers, who are also a stakeholder in the success of that venture. Exactly. So, that, so I, I see the opportunity with with blockchain to kind of uh, eliminate that disconnect and bring the consumers Hopefully. right into the the decision making process. I think that was the, the that might have been the original goal of this one of the one of the nicer goals of the stock market. It was this idea that, you know, the consumers will also be the investors and and you know, because of that then we won't have as much a negative relationship where you have a company optimizing against the consumer base. But I don't know how well that experiments well, I think that's headed for disaster. You remember um, Forbidden Planet where the Krell built a oh, machine. I love that movie. Anyone who had a, a yeah. desire, and they got into this bizarre feedback loop that destroyed everything. That's right. Is, that, is that what the, the, I could never figure out what the end of that movie was about. Right, yeah. and uh, I once built a, um, uh, a sauna controller, you know, a little microcontroller that uh, listened to a sensor and provided water to keep the steam sauna going. Sure. And it would, uh, you know, start to saturate, it would go too far one side, the, the element would burn up and go too far the other side, you know, and what I had to do is I had to temper the desire, you know, the present desire with lessons from the past. And I think, you know, in the same way, it's that way politically. If you just let everyone decide, you know, with a button on the internet, should this guy live or yeah. die, there'd be terrible mistakes. <laughs> sure, 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 you know, sure. There's the immediate urges, of, I want this, uh, you have to temper that with lessons learned from the past. Yeah. In the long run, the market would prevail. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think the, the biggest problem with the market. I do believe in markets, but only under one condition, which makes them impossible, which is that you have you have rational actors. And I think it wouldn't be so bad if there wasn't just like 
such an incentive for every company to make uh, irrational agents. Like as soon as you put an individual into debt, as soon as you do terrible things to an individual to 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 to, to drive that hunger, they become huge, like immensely irrational. They'll just like they'll they'll have inelastic demand. They'll they'll just buy whatever you put in front of them. Mm -hmm. It's terrifying, terrifying mechanisms, and they're very powerful. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. <laughs> well, no, it's uh, it's. Uh, I think we're still facing the dilemma. We don't know. What we're saying, what you've said so far, is that we're not. We can't turn back the clock. Right. Right. So we need to figure out how we're going to live with this new phenomenon called artificial intelligence. So first of all, uh, I'm going to ask you this question. Like we are self-aware, right? Uh, sure. Human beings. Sure, uh, sure, sure. Maybe sure. some yeah. of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to to various degrees. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, is it ever? Do you think? Is it is machi machine intelligence going to be ever self-aware uh, to the point where, like, what happens at that point? What does that mean if it's going to happen? If it's not going to happen, then it doesn't matter, maybe. Yeah, I, everyone falls somewhere on the spectrum. There, there are very prominent researchers who who believe definitely not that will never happen, and then there are, there are people who are just as prominent who say it will. I'm in the camp that you know where where I I believe that uh, intelligence is is largely a network effect, something that emerges from like a network. Um, and I do believe that, that you know, I have I've almost a radical belief. Uh, so f first of all, yes, but I also believe that there are, there are global networks that we as human beings might not fully appreciate. So you look at the way goods and services are moved between countries and the way energy is consumed, the way electricity is consumed. Um, I do, I, I sometimes, have the belief that I might not be able to appreciate a consciousness on that scale if, it, if I was inside it. So, so I think of these, these thoughts sometimes. Well, I think that uh, what artificial intelligence needs is empathy. And the way to get empathy is through agency. You know, let's say you're a baby and you grab the cat, and the cat yeah. howls in protest. Well, you've learned, you know, through agency, to, to be you know empathetic to another yeah. living thing. Yeah. And if uh, an AI agent were to just watch that on a video, it wouldn't get it. You know, it's got to have agency out there in the world uh, and no one has done something wrong. Yeah, I think that we have, human beings are, are lucky because we're, we're programmed with, with a need to bond socially, which for people that develop automated systems, this is a choice. Like it's a choice whether or not you want to develop an empathetic present agent. Um, and so as much as possible, um, these have to be choices in the design of systems. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are people that don't have those, uh, don't have that empathy, right? That's true. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, they can be beat out of people. people. Yeah. Antisocials. Um, I mean, is, is there, oh, I mean, I mean, do you think we can move ahead and really have, uh, I don't know what, what the right word is, ethical, uh, like AI that actually continues to serve human interests and objectives? Or at some point, maybe, this is the, the I think one of the big concerns is that AI can develop a, uh, an awareness and an intelligence that maybe doesn't need human beings anymore. Yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the classic fear. I mean, I don't know why uh, I'm not particularly worried about that reality. I think that just people are so, so ingenuitive. There, there's, there's a simple argument I use against the whole like, the world's going to be going to end due to AI, and it's just that 
AI and the process of creating artificial intelligence is democratizing so quickly that if one crazy like agent was created, like a virus, you'd have armies of researchers over the whole over the whole planet trying to make the next smartest one that loved people that would kill this other one. But think about humans, right? Can only get so smart. Oh, but we can create other smart things smarter than us. We can assume at that point. Because they're gonna be able to learn exponentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So maybe one Doctor Evil creates a really bad some really bad mojo. Yeah. There's, there's really, this is one of those speculative questions that it's, that, that just borders into science fiction. I don't think anyone, people, you can be afraid or hopeful, and you can be both, but I think, I think a foolish person, only, I think only a real foolish person would say it's definitely this way or definitely that way. But I think there will definitely be a reckoning where, you know, malicious agents are, have, to, have to face agents that are, that are coded for defense, so like security-based automated processes, processes that guard your that guard your house, you know, things like this, like things that like optimize the economy for you, things that optimize the economy against you. These forces are, there have to be, and so this, this goes to another point I wanted to make, which is um, after the end of World War II, uh, author named Edward Bernays wrote a, a monumental book called Propaganda. I read that at a very, at a very influential age, I read this book. And what struck me was just how impactful so it was about crowd psychology. It was about how easy it was, it is to influence people with, with marketing when they assemble in crowds or, mm -hmm. you know, and the different tactics you can use to manipulate people. It's very scary. Um, and I read this book and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is how marketing works. I get it now. This is terrifying. Um, but at the end of the book, he said, I'm not a bad guy. The reason I'm writing this book is because I think that really great people, people that believe in freedom, people that believe in, 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 in like health and longevity, people that... Uh, currently these devices are being used by people who want to recruit troops, they want to sell product, but my hope by writing this book is that a whole generation of people use these tools mm -hmm. to communicate about like political campaigns. But predominantly what happens with people on the, uh, on the more left-leading side of the spectrum is that because these tools are used to target individuals so much, they're revolted by them. Mm -hmm. So they don't, they don't want they don't anything engage. to do with them rather than use them. And that's my fear for AI. My, my fear for AI, or uh, my fear with regards to people and the way they engage in AI, is that the people that need to be using it the most are probably the people that hate it the most. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, that uh, sounds like that's not you, because the name of your company, Pax Cultura Studios, you, you're making a statement uh, just with the name. Yeah. And so can you just sort of tell us again, if you haven't already, like, what's your mission? working with automated systems? My mission, and, and I've been lucky so far to be able to do this, is to, is, is to democratize artificial intelligence for the benefit of humanity. And since we're a, a small shop, we're not like 100 people, 10 people, um, and, and because we're a smaller group, um, what that means is that uh, we, you know, we choose projects and partners that have, in some senses, a social mandate. So I'll give you one example. Um, one of the biggest environmental pollutants in the world is logistics. Um, it's, it has a huge carbon footprint. People die all the time dri driving on the road. Whether or not you think that trucking is a great industry, fine, love it or hate it. Um, but the reality is that um, just by automating that job, we, we cut down greenhouse gas emissions from logistics by, you know, by like exponential factors. We save lives, we keep people off the road and products, goods and services get shipped faster. So that sort of automation 
benefits humanity. Mm -hmm. And I think there are so many products out there or, or platforms or ideas out there that benefit uh, the world in the same way. So, okay, so you're kind of saying, look, let's just take care of one problem at a, at a time. time. One, one practical problem <laughs> at a time. And, and we'll get there. Big ideas, little baby steps. But you can keep your yeah. eye on the big picture. That's the thing. As a kind of a radar, uh, looking out for trouble that might be coming in from a distance. I think so. I think if every individual took the education and learning that they, that they had and they thought, how can I earn a decent, a decent living, like whatever that is for myself, um, and, and, and like be a happy person, but then also know that as that I'm contributing to you know to humanity in some way. Mm -hmm. like, one step, we're getting one step further towards towards what I believe is a better world. I think that things would be better. I think so many people give up. They they see this as a this or that game, and it is possible to do both mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, I think we're all getting used to the idea we can really have a win-win situation. It doesn't always have to be you know, yeah, dog eat dog. In the 1800s, 1900s, the economy was a dog eat dog world. Yeah. But today, because it's a, it's a world of plenty, it's it's that that like that mode of operation is changing. Yeah. I think it's just a little bit of a difficulty getting from getting from the uh, the win lose world to the win win world. Yeah, there's going to be a few bumps along the way. So, what are you guys looking for uh, currently? Are you looking for clients? Are you looking for uh, expertise what are you guys uh, looking for right now um, we're, we're we've been working on a stealth project for some time um, related to uh, the capital markets so what we've been incubating over the last year is uh, you know you look at the capital markets you look at artificial intelligence is taking over um, you know uh, the market so you know um, just over the last couple decades I don't know what the percentage is now but I know when I checked like four years ago, 80% of the trades executed on, on the stock exchange were automated agents. Um, so when you look at, uh, and you think about the 1% accruing profits, they're not, in, they're not logging onto their TD Ameritrade account or their like RBC direct investing account to make these transactions. They're consulting with hedge funds and hedge funds are using automation now. So that automation divide is locking regular people out of, of the market. They don't have a way to harness the same intelligence so if you ask me, that's it's not insider trading, but it basically is because an elite set of individuals has, have access to something that's that's. So anyway, um, to get to the point, um, what we're what we're essentially looking for are uh, we're working on a platform that gives advice to to individuals who who are are trying to enter positions on the capital market. So we're giving advice whether whether it's uh, you know some some cases real estate or or stocks. We're mm -hmm. we're crafting a platform. Form that allows people to to um, to watch agents and to get advice about you know signals mm -hmm. like trade signals mm -hmm. from these very smart agents that are watching everything from Twitter to, to YouTube videos to understand the markets. Mm -hmm. um, and we believe that 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 intelligence should not only be be saved for for elite individuals. But even that intelligence isn't infallible. Of course is not. It? No, no, it's not. Definitely not infallible. It's uh, it's. <laughs> So it's only accurate slightly better than half the time, but just like every other other uh, manager. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're we're definitely on uh, right now. We're we're deep on. We've we've been afforded the chance uh, because of some early investment to work on the tech side of that. Um, but soon we're going to be peeking up our head and we're going to be looking for partners, people who, who who are interested in this in this kind of technology, and we're looking for a pathway to to bring this product to to the. Uh, to, the, to retail investors. To the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. And then how about other projects? 
or I mean, anything else you really want to sink your teeth into? Um, that's like that's a lot uh, already. Uh, <laughs> I I've been continually working on. I have every every researcher I think has their their research project. So my masters didn't stop when I graduated. So I've 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 been working on this idea of of what does it mean to to learn, um, and I've been working on um, you know. I think every AI researcher has their general general intelligence framework. So I've been working on a a platform that's a, a, a form of general intelligence. So the the goal is, uh, you know, you look at a computer vision problem, you look at different sort of problems. They all have custom algorithms. My goal is to come up with an algorithm. Um, it's very difficult. Doesn't work. Doesn't work very well all the time. But the idea is that you can just show this algorithm any problem, and it can it can learn to sort of solve it reasonably well. And so I've been working on that for about five years now. Um, with all the uh, kind of uh, new developments around AI and uh, that sort of thing, blockchain, is there anything you see that's a bit of a red flag that's got you concerned? Um, well, there, there are a case by case. So I think that the general literacy around artificial intelligence is a red flag, and I think that's just because it's such a fast-moving industry. So some of the conclusions that are drawn, uh, so I got very mad at, uh, <laughs> I don't want to make fun of MIT too much, but they published an, uh, a white paper recently, it's an unpublished article, um, and the title of the article is very catchy. It was something like, um, you know, uh, your skills that you accrue during your life don't matter. If you're rich or not, it's just due to luck. And so within was an artificial intelligence experiment where they took a bunch of people and they simulated these people going on about their lives with various amounts of capital and they showed that mm. um, that like you know people were rich or not just based on circumstance. Mm -hmm. Well, when I read the paper, I went through it and I actually sent a note to the editors. I said that this this is a very this is very bad work. Um, it's totally not true. And you know you know you you actually didn't model experience. You didn't model all. You didn't model education. You didn't model any of these these other factors. Um, and uh, they said that's fine. We didn't try to, um, but the, the the point is that I think the most damaging, the the biggest red flag is the conversation that's happening around AI. People are raising a lot of money and building businesses around ideas that just would not work in the first place. In other words, it's, it's kind of like uh, too much uh, froth. Too, too much froth. Yeah, right? it's, it's too much. Yeah. So yeah. So it, it's difficult because you can't throw out the industry because you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Well, like, this happens every time there's a new innovation, right? Right. So I think it's par for the course. Uh, I am a bit concerned. I think um, I think blockchain's overstated. So I think the goal of blockchain is amazing. And I think the technology that's selected works. So the idea of blockchain is, is distributed trust. Mm -hmm. So instead of having a central authority of trust, you can distribute that. Mm -hmm. um, but the way blockchain's implemented, it doesn't really work like very well for that purpose all the time. It's very cumbersome. And that's, yeah. Okay, Dave, yeah. do you have anything else that you want to... Well, this reminds me of the, uh, the mystery of chlorophyll. How's that? Well, you know, chlorophyll is a uh, tremendously successful molecule. Okay. And, and it's huge. It's uh, like a giant octopus. It's got this outer network and leading to the uh, energy center at the center. So a photon, you know, hits one of the outer arms and, you know, the leaf is moving and shadows are... are coming and uh, it's very important that the photon get to the energy conversion center as quickly as possible right and uh, but you know from quantum uh, physics and uncertainty there's an infinite number of ways it can get there but it always picks the shortest route and researchers are you know 
being forced into this precipice that it's because the plant has a desire. The plant <laughs> wants the photon to get to the yeah. energy center. But they can't conversion. figure out why this is exactly this is happening. That's right. So there's no good reason for this to happen. It's a case of desire becoming manifest, you know, at a quantum particle level. It's interesting. And that's what will happen with AI if it starts to get desire. Let's study plants more. If we can figure out what the chlorophyll molecule is doing. I'm, I'm a firm believer. I'm, I'm, I'm not like, you know, if you read me Passages of the Secret, I would probably revolt. I would be like, this is, a, this is insanity. But I do believe in, like, I, I do like Tony Robbins. I, I was a hard sell on Tony Robbins. I was like, ah, oh, this guy. And then I actually read some of his work. I was like, oh, this guy's really great. Um, and uh, I do believe that, that what you notice in your life is a direct consequence of what you believe, what you truly believe. And then what you notice also dictates how you act and how you treat each other, technologies you engage with, businesses you work with, etc. So this is this our, our future free AI as a culture is going to be a direct consequence of what we believe it is for. If we believe it's for the empowerment of people and the and the and the dissemination of goods and services at a lower cost and that we can we can afford to work less, we will make that happen. But if we believe it's for subjugating each other, creating microservices and making lots of money, we'll make that reality happen. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, uh, that's a, maybe that's a good way to end this off. Sure, um, yeah. If uh, now, so for people watching this, maybe they, uh, for whatever reason, want to get in touch with you or get in touch with uh, Pax Cultura Studios, what's the best way for them to do that? You can visit the website. Um, you can also, uh, on the website is, is, is my email, but you can also email uh, Justin Gerard at PaxCulturalStudios.com and you'll, you'll get right through to me. And you guys are in Toronto? We're in Toronto, yeah. Okay. So we're down Queen Spadina. It's great. We're, we're here all the time. Very cool. Yeah. So uh, listen, uh, I know this is a fast-moving field, so listen, if there's anything If people have specific questions about, you know, um, um, how to design smart products or smart services that engage customers. Uh, if they wonder if they are, if they are curious about data and they, they want to know if they're if they're using the best practices, or even if the way they're approaching their problems is realistic, we're probably one of the best shops to talk to. Okay. Yeah. All right, Justin. Been great to meet you. Great yeah. to have this conversation. Love to have you back. Thanks for uh, having Next time really something occurs to you that you want to just uh, talk about and sure. get the word out about. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks. Yeah. And thanks, Dave. How did you like it? Oh, that was great. It was super. I had 18 other things uh, oh I thought were appropriate, but I didn't want to Well, know, see, that's hijack. the thing, right? See? Okay, we'll have to get Justin back and uh, oh, we'll have I'll, I'll, I could do this all the time. This is so fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> I never get to talk about these things. My girlfriend's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Here's one we won't have to bribe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Okay, thanks, Justin. Thank you, David. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next time here on thatchannel.com. Progressive presents Get Pumped, inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Okay, time out. You're going to let your budget be the boss of you? Take control with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. 
Tell us what you want to pay for car insurance, and we'll help you find options that fit your budget. Here's some music to get you pumped. Da dong da dong da dong da dong dang dang. I hear your budget laughing at you. Oh, wait, that's just those kids laughing at me. Ignore them! Da-dum, da-dum, Progressive da-dum, Casualty da-dum. Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.